I couldn't find any trailers from this movie that I thought unsuspecting masses could just watch at 9 a.m. over their coffee. <laughs> Shame on the both of you for having a movie that involves so many, like, close-ups of needles going into skin. Mm, no, it's probably the very few times that I've cringed in these films and felt sick to my stomach. Welcome! We're back at our home away from home, Gateway Film Center, Columbus, Ohio, for the Fright Club Live podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from madwolf.com. And for those of you that see... The blood around her neck. That's just a necklace. It's a it's a cool <laughs> necklace. We, we went out to, where did we go, Chipotle today? And somebody thought you were injured. Yes, yeah. Almost threw us out. But <laughs> that's the fun vibe we have. Welcome. Great crowd. Glad you're here. We got a fun a fun topic and a, a creepy movie. Yeah. A creepy movie, but that's what we do. But first off, we got to say thank you to last time out we did the studio version of Fright Club with our with our friend. Well, we, he's now a friend of the show. He is, Because yes. he's been on the podcast so many times, yep. and that is filmmaker George Popov, and he joined us to talk about our favorite ghosts. Yeah, so we didn't do necessarily haunted movies. We, we zeroed in on the specific ghosts that were our favorite ghosts, and part of the reason is because George directs a series of documentaries, and the most recent one is, they're called Side World, and the most recent one is about ghosts. There's also one about sea monsters. Um, it's really good. You can find it on Amazon Prime. These they're like usually about sixty minute, they're good, really they're, good. Yeah, they're documentaries interesting documentaries, especially of, if you like folk horror, folk horror yeah. which we really do. Uh, and, and he's been on now a few times. Yeah, and, uh, we and love he's it. He's always great. And always so great. yeah, the only I think the only real complaint, Dustin wanted to know why the blowjob ghost from Ghostbusters didn't make the list. That's his. Well, it's his a good question. Ghost. You know, it's a good question here. <laughs> Fair. And fair since, question. And since you know you're in charge of the list, I gotta throw it back to you. So uh. <laughs> I chose not to include her. <laughs> well, that that was a lot of fun. So we appreciate that as always. Appreciate having George on. And may I say tonight, before we get into it, as usual, the the uh, t-shirt game here tonight is strong. Very strong. Yeah. It is strong. I'm always shamed because I always have to decide what Jaws t-shirt am I gonna wear. That's a, pretty much the extent of my of my horror movie wardrobe. I've gotta I've gotta kick it up a notch because you guys always bring it and uh, very impressive. All he's really t saying is that I need to buy him some more horror movie t-shirts because I guarantee all the ones he has I bought for him. I can, so. You know, I can own it. I can take care of my, <laughs> my own. I should do that. Got to branch out. We'll try to work on that for next time. But uh, that is always welcome. And we've got uh, Antiviral is the movie tonight. It is. The, this is the debut. It was the debut of Brandon Cronenberg. Yes. Son, of course, of David Cronenberg. And you hear that Cronenberg name and you think body horror. Indeed. And that's what you're going to see. And we're going to talk about that, or we're going to talk about um, fr contagion in horror, right? Correct. There's billions and billions. And so we had to really narrow it down. So um, no zombie movies, sorry. And no, like, slug, <laughs> parasite, living thing jumping from one to another, which really just eliminates the other Cronenberg, really, from this mm -hmm. list. Um, but I had to narrow it down in some way. So this is actually, like, you know, viruses, diseases, that type of, of contagion. Yeah, and... The way he, the way the story works in Contagion is so fascinating, especially in antiviral. In antiviral, yeah, especially with how things have progressed since this movie has come out in terms of social media and um, you know the the different types of lives we lead, um, celebrity lives and celebrity worship and things like that. This movie takes takes that on in a really interesting way. Yeah, it's fascinating. How many people have seen it? Just oh, a couple. Wow. I love that. I, I want to say that you're in for a treat. I hope it's true. 
it's really gross. <laughs> so I just want you to be aware of it. This I'm, movie is really gross. <laughs> I'm especially looking at the two newbies here that they were going to see Bo is Afraid and decided it was too long. <laughs> so Bo is Afraid's loss is our game. Right. We welcome Fright Club newbies, and it is gross, but I did promise them there are no eyeballs. Right. I don't think there are no. any eyeballs. No, no. There's but that's as far as our promises go. After that, that yeah. all bets are off. Yeah. But so, yeah, so when we get to uh, antiviral in our list, we're not going to say much about it, but nope. we definitely want you to come down and give us your thoughts after it's over because so f few people have seen it. That's, that's great. Right. I love that. Okay, anything else before we jump in? Well, I do want to take a second to talk about some of the ones that didn't make the list that almost made the list. And so Mask of the Red Death, that's a big one that almost made the list. It's such a great movie. Um, and it's very similar to... Um, oh, that's the Bergman. Yeah, why can't I think of the name of it? Seven thank Seal. You. Seven Seal, very thank you. Very similar to the Seventh Seal. <laughs> Sorry, I had a... a These a are quick... all such great images. They I, are. I'm, I'm loving all of them. And so, but I mean, they're both really great movies. And, and the Bergman really isn't a horror movie, but it's... A, close for him so anyway i was sorry that i couldn't include those i always want to include a, a david cronenberg on really every list but especially this list and so rabid was close the crazies oh i love the crazies either one really close to making the list we got something that's somewhat similar to the crazies that did make the list yep. and then contagion um excuse me carriers which is uh, chris pine in a, a great role for him, actually. It's a really early Chris Pine role with Piper Parabo, and he is such a dick, but in a great way. And he, you don't get that a lot from him anymore. He's usually just like Joe Nice Guy. So this is a, it's a good movie. These are all great movies. Yeah, if you those are good seen. ones. I know. Those are good ones for this not. This is a really big, big topic. Yeah, though. yeah, it really is. But those are good for not making the list. So, you know, we've got good stuff uh, in the top five. That, the image right there from, from Rabid, mm -hmm. that was, you know, when you're a little kid and you went to the VHS, that was the VHS box that haunted me as a child. Oh, I would yeah. just look at it all the time like, what is happening with that lady? And I always wanted to get it, and I was never allowed. That's a good one. It is. Yeah, love those those boxes at the yes. video store. Yeah, it was all about that. Okay, so those are some really good ones. Didn't quite, uh, didn't quite crack it. Uh, anything else before we dive in? I don't think so. Okay, good enough. So we'll get to number five on our list of Contagion Horror. Oh, this is one we've shown mm -hmm. here at Fry Club and talked about several times. Uh, a radio host, what? interprets the possible outbreak of a deadly virus which infects the small Ontario town he is stationed in from 2008. It's Pontypool. Hail Mary, though I walk, we go to Kenloney in the Sunshine Chopper. Oh, God! They're pulling two people out of a van! Who are those? There's a bunch of them. They're, they're, they're people, but, but they're crazy. They're, they're, they're fighting them. People are getting killed out there. Oh! Ken. Are you there, Ken? They cut into our We did. We showed this one at Fright Club. I love this movie. And it, it's the one that's the closest to the crazies, either of the two versions of the crazies, because people just go crazy. That's what the sort of the contagion is in this movie. And it's words. The more you talk, yeah. the more your words stop making sense in your head. And then they start making sense to you in a way that makes you want to do violent things, which... I can 100% like embrace that notion. Like that, oh, that makes a weird amount of sense to me. Yeah, I think it's fascinating the way that uh, Bruce McDonald, the director, interprets contagion. He called these, mm -hmm. according to him, uh, the, the victims of the virus are called conversationless as opposed to zombies. I, I think that is fascinating. <laughs> I love how it, how, how it progressed. It was originally 
And you can definitely see this if you've seen the film. It was originally produced as both a mo- motion picture and a radio play. Oh, for sure. Now, the play only lasts about an hour, whereas the movie's an hour and a half. But, yeah, you could definitely see this being a play. And it is. It's fascinating. Conversationalist through speech. And, of course, that can have a lot of metaphorical meanings. Uh, or you can just take it on its face value. I think either way, this film is, is effective. Yeah, and I love Stephen McCaddy. And he's so great in this movie as the, the boozy, too good for this podunk market um, DJ. Um, he is a ton of fun. And it's a movie that has really very few locations. It's almost all yeah. inside this radio station. You yeah. get glimpses of the outdoors periodically, but mainly it's it's just theater of the mind. You're hearing reports come in about what's happening outside, which obviously allowed them to keep the budget pretty low, but it's really effectively yeah, done. Yeah, and that movie. can be difficult. Yeah. Yeah, and if you remember, if you've seen it here at Fright Club, it about 35 minutes or so into the movie, um, the character of Ken reports on a group of infected taking two people from a van and biting them. And if you listen very closely, a lot of the sound they used was actually the sound from the chest-bursting scene in Alien. Wow. Taken right from there. They used it, which I thought was pretty fascinating. And there's a very very much talked about after-credit scene that when we showed it here at Fright Club, we we forgot forgot about and we were talking, and then it came on. Yeah. Uh, it, it's one that is interesting to um, to comment yeah. how it re- relates to the film. Right. It's super weird. Also, he has a Joey Ramone action figure in this movie, which, so, extra points. <laughs> so, Pontypool, a good start at number five in our countdown of Frightful Contagions from 2008. All right, moving up to number four. Okay, this is the one we're going to see tonight, so we're not going to talk much about it. In a blackly satirical near future... A thriving industry sells celebrity illnesses to their obsessed fans. It's antiviral. Do you not agree that the mania surrounding celebrity is reaching an unhealthy level? No, I don't. My clients want to feel more connected to those people that they see in the magazines and on television. Enjoy. So far, I've had all her diseases. (laughs) Must have been expensive. Is there any way you could spread it? Have you started bleeding yet? Bleeding? From your mouth. You've become involved in something sinister. It's a weird business, Sid. Now, since then, Brandon Cronenberg has gone to do Possessor, which is so good. So great. And then just last year, was it last year? Mm-hmm. Did Infinity Pool. But this was his debut, and with the last name of Cronenberg, I mean, he has a lot to live up to. He really does. Uh, and, you know, the body horror, of course, is there, but I think this was a pretty impressive, to have such big shoes to fill, I mean, this is a pretty impressive debut. Yeah, you might expect him, actually, not to go so right. full Cronenberg. Right, You know, to, to take a step away from body horror. And he, you Rom-coms, know, he does it. maybe? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie, um, we do, uh, we, we're on... Um, Good Day Columbus on Friday mornings, uh, talking about movies. We do movie reviews, and if it's a Fright Club Friday, then I'll throw in uh, a little bit about Fright Club. I couldn't find any trailers from this movie that I thought unsuspecting masses could just watch at 9 a.m. over their coffee. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to get us fired. So we didn't. We didn't show one today um, because it's a, it's a disturbing Trailer. It's a great movie. Caleb Landry Jones. I love him in every single thing. I'll see him in anything he's in. He's so good in this movie. And then, although she doesn't have a really big part, um, Sarah Gadon plays the the celebrity who's who they keep harvesting for um, 
things. And she's actually in a David Cronenberg film, the one about Freud, uh, a dangerous, oh, dangerous method. Mo- dangerous yeah. method. Dangerous yeah. method. Yeah. So, um, so it's not as if this was made like without David Cronenberg's blessing. Yeah. I mean, I think that they were. He's got to be proud of his kid, man. Oh, not fall so. far from the tree. Yeah. So we're not going to go into much about it. Just remember a couple things. All the close-up shots of needles entering skin; those are real. And all the scenes of blood drawing; that's all real too. So that uh, seems wrong. <laughs> Who signs up for that? Oh, if you, it's not Cronenberg is on the door, man. Yeah, that's I'll true. tell you what. Yeah. So please come down after, and we'll talk about it. Definitely want to get your impressions because uh, most people tonight have not seen it. So uh, we will move on. One hour and forty-eight minutes later. Just in the in the way that celebrity culture has has grown and changed since then, uh, you you can even read more into it. In fact, the thing that struck me this time was how it comments even then about how the celebrities play into it. Yeah. Uh, because there's always stories when you hear about the, the celebrities today that hate the paparazzi. And then there's others that it seems like kind of strike a deal with them. You know, I'll let you know where I am. And so some of them, not all of them, but some of them definitely are part of it too. And the fact that the celebrities here are selling it and perpetuating it is an, another interesting little, little layer. Yeah, and I always find it interesting because he's the son of a celebrity. Yeah, that uh, I feel like that had to play into it, just sort of not only seeing obviously his dad, but you know the actors that his dad works sure. with, and, and what it must have been like for him to be around that all the time. Uh, I always wonder what that's like, and also I just think I love Caleb Landry Jones in everything. I love him in this movie. There's another horror film where he's kind of got that same anemic, sickly look, which is Byzantine. Uh, with Saoirse Ronan, which is a, which is a great like vampire oh, yeah. movie, and yeah. then and then out of nowhere, you know, he's in Get Out, where he's like all buff and yeah. he's beating people up, and I just yeah. I always find it fascinating. Y- you look at him in something like this, you think, oh, that guy's typecast. Like uh, he can, what else can he play? But he's actually he can do just about anything. The oh, other yeah. one to see if you haven't seen is Nitram. He's magnificent in that movie, and it's really hard to watch, but it's a great movie. But yeah. I love him. I'm a massive fan. Agreed. Uh, I detected, as uh, the chef would say in menu, I detected notes of DOA and Gattaca and even a little Jurassic Park in. Just because technology can, says you can do it doesn't mean you should. Okay. I'm glad that you, you expanded on the Jurassic Park because I, <laughs> I, I was confused by it a little bit. <laughs> and a Gattaca reference. Uh, yeah, seldom Gattaca seen reference. here in the States. But you know, uh, yeah, one of the things the sometimes that I notice when I watch a movie is that how how often I really lean toward cannibalism without necessarily realizing that I do. I'll watch a movie and I'll be like, oh, my God, this is also a cannibal film, isn't it? Yeah. Why do I always like those? I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe <laughs> maybe we should explore that. I know those those cell steaks. I know, you know nasty. It, it was already creepy, but then the cell steaks. Yeah, like, it was gross. Oh, and whatever they used to make them, the prop in the movie, like it was just don't look appetizing at all. Yeah, it was very gross. How about the uh, the newbies here that were going to see Bo is Afraid? I'd love to get your uh, I'd love to get your thoughts if you want to come down and, and talk because they did say early on not to interview them. They told me they that did? specifically. They said I'm sorry. I gave them pins and they said don't interview us. Okay, I was not around <laughs> for that. I apologize. <laughs> But the fact that you stayed through the whole thing, I'm, I'm taking as a plus. So thank you. <laughs> Hi, I just wanted to spread some love for the movie. Um, it's quite contagious. It's my second time viewing. Um, so I guess um, I'm an expert. And I, I got to say that uh, I'm surprised to say I like it quite a bit more. Because I think this came out back when I was in high school. 
And back then, uh, it was a little bit like Cosmopolis a little bit. Mm. And I, I don't know, I didn't take too much to it. But this time, I, I really did like it quite a bit. And uh, it, was, it was just awesome. I don't know, past the pandemic, just getting to see uh, the suave getting right into the brain. Yeah. I don't know, it just hits different, you know? <laughs> no, that No, that's a it very really good does. point. I mean, that's, that's funny, but it's a very good point because anything about a contagion is going to strike differently. And anyone, you're right, who had to test that way is gonna feel yeah a that's a bit, nasty scene yeah yeah that's a nasty scene but I, you know uh, i think it's a good gag reference though i love the i love the color palette in this film it's so there is so much white it's so stark yeah. and the whole time you're like that's because it's gonna get really bloody right like there we're gonna see some blood and one of the things it's the black blood right mm-hmm. like it's not this sort of red spatter that you're waiting for it's it's nasty goopy black blood Plus, it, it's it's sort of a jump, I suppose. But seeing Malcolm McDowell in there yeah. just put me in kind of a a lot of those all white. It's kind of a Kubrick mode. Sure, it just for made sure. me think of that. You yeah. know, make the, the the jump to Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Yeah. So first thing, I mean, shame on the both of you for having a movie that involves so many like close-ups of needles going into skin. It's just <laughs> so. Oh mm, no! It's probably the very few times that I've cringed in these films and felt sick to my stomach. But, uh, no, I think it's just so weird that, like, I know this movie's, like, original focus is about, like, celebrity culture, but it's just so weird that it feels like uh, Cronenberg is being almost prescient here because I think that the ideas that this movie is based on have only become worse as, like, as you've seen this celebrity culture issue and the closeness of them just expand out into... You know, with all the media sharing content we have, like you two have a podcast. So, I mean, the parasocial relationships that you see with even the most minor of celebrities that we have now, like everybody feels close to and entitled to like everyone that they could possibly know. And uh, that's probably the biggest one. So many other things that it just it feels weird that he's touching on that. Like there was a line about uh, you're a commodity now that really got me where it just. It, it, it feels like it really reflects our modern culture now with, you know, with that, with the commodification of like YouTube or OnlyFans or even things like Grubhub and Uber that really hit so much harder now than I feel like they would have in 2012. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, that that's very true because early on the doctor, the head doctor is talking about people that deserve to be famous, you know, because you get the people now that complain about the Kardashians and what do people do deserve to be famous. That's very prescient, I think. Also, it made me think about now and and with AI and things where you've heard about. I know there was a story when the Bruce Willis uh, uh, news broke, the, the story that he sold his likeness to be recreated for for later for, you know, ad infinitum, uh, many films that could be made with his likeness and deep fakes and AI. Yeah, it just goes on and on and on. And one of the things I love is that um, even when he's in the room with her, it's like she's inhuman mm-hmm. to them. He wants to drink her blood and he wants to take her blood, but he doesn't want to like, I don't know, shake her hand or even like get in bed. That's what I kept thinking. Like she's unconscious just, you know, like, I think I would want to just sort of get in bed and get warm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're both sick. We have the same contagion. I'm tired, clearly. I'm just going to lay down next to you. But that's not what that's not what anybody's impulse is. It's to treat it like, yeah. you know, some inhuman, like, meat. Because even though you want to be a part of them, it's still so cold and detached. Because they're not real. They're right. not real people to yeah. you. I don't know if, if uh, Cronenberg... Like, I'm not exactly sure on that timing on this, 
But I do remember around the, around this time that this film was made, there was a lot of talk in the media about actually patenting DNA strains and like making that uh, intellectual property and all of the issues that and that involves. And I don't know if that's kind of this movie kind of touches on that quite a bit um, between, you know, all these corporations kind of commodifying everything that mm -hmm. they can. It's a super creepy idea. And it makes me think of actually, because for the first time in a, a year, we watched a show. We watched Dead Ringers, which mm -hmm. is very much about this, uh, also very Cronenberg, of course, but it's very much about that idea of making a profit, commodifying, you know, um, industrializing the human body mm -hmm. and, and science of, of anatomy. Yeah, and especially with, like, everybody doing, like, the DNA testing with, like, 23andMe and all that. Like, who who owns that data? Is that is that yours or is that the companies that check your fine print and all that? Yeah. <laughs> check your fine print. Always good advice. Yeah, I just want to know what the hell's wrong with the Cronenbergs. I want to know, like, <laughs> where did this start? Did this start with the dad or did it go further back? Every time I watch one of those movies, someone's like, <laughs> <laughs> like both, both. I watched both Possessor and the, oh uh, yeah, it's, it's fucking gross, man. I, <laughs> <laughs> Possessor is a great movie. Love though. Possessor. That's a great movie. Oh, a gut punch of an ending. Yeah, oh, love it Possessor. is. Well, it's it's obviously something that you could brings up a lot of a lot of different you know moral ambiguities and and, and different questions about modern society. Even in the last you know ten or eleven years that it's come out, it's even as we were talking about gotten uh, gotten even more pronounced. So I, I think it can be revisited as a as a so piece of social commentary yes. and just. Awkward I know, man. Bit of the needle in the tooth, right? With, oh my God! Because you don't see what he does, and I'm like, I can't wait till he turns around and he turns around. And, <laughs> it's in my mouth. Love that. That's right. We promised. We promised no eyeballs. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Up to number three. This is one that gets talked about a lot and very polarizing. From 2017, secure within a desolate home as an unnatural threat terrorizes the world. A man has established a tenuous domestic order with his wife and son. Then a desperate young family arrives seeking refuge. It's It Comes at Night. Hey, I want to thank you again for letting us stay here. Just going to run through a few things. When we go out during the day, we like to stick to groups just for safety. The red door. It's the only way in and out of the house. It stays closed and locked. Most important thing... We never go out at night. I think they're sick. Budget mask on. Nobody's sick here. Can't trust anyone but family. You don't get it. How old are you, Travis? If they're sick, then I am too. I love, love this movie so much, but I, I understand how it really made some people upset. I think... This one, more than any other, kick-started the argument about A24 misleading people with their trailers. Because, I get it, that makes you think, expect something in the movie that never comes. Now, I was definitely fine with that, but a lot of people were not, and I do, I do understand it. Yeah, a, a really good friend of ours, uh, Brooklyn Ewing, who is a horror filmmaker, was, she hates this movie. <laughs> she loathes this movie, and she was like, it should be called Nothing Comes at Night. <laughs> But something does. It's just not what you're it's expecting. It's just not what you're expecting. And it yeah. is it is, um, it is, is an emotional gut punch. This movie destroyed me. Yeah. Um, and, and the performances are amazing, oh, like so top to bottom. So Calvin Harrison Jr., this is the first film I'd ever seen him in. He's absolutely amazing in this movie. Joel Edgerton, as always, is super great. Christopher Abbott is great. 
uh, Riley, Riley Keough, Riley Keough. The, the, the little boy. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a beautiful, gut-wrenching movie. And I wanted there to be one that was really aftermath, right? That wasn't, you know, that's really, they're the survivors and they're trying to continue to survive. So as opposed to being, you know, like so many of the movies, it's like, oh my God, look what's just started. I wanted one that to be, you know, the contagion is out there and, and how terrifying it is, horrifying it is to be one of the survivors, to be, you know, it's this, this I find this film very claustrophobic mm-hmm. and sad. And the way it's filmed, this is the second film for Trey Edward Schultz. He did Krisha, very, very good, low budget film, not horror. Um, and then since then, he do, he's done Waves, another very good movie. So he's very talented. And the way he tells this story, the way he films it, I mean, some of it, uh, like early on, it, ch- it changes. Uh, during the climax, the aspect ratio changes. Also, he, he films in cinemascope sometimes, transitioning out when Travis is not dreaming. And a lot of this has to do with Travis, the Kelvin Harrison Jr. character, when he's dreaming and when he's not. That goes a lot with with how you can interpret the things that are happening and that red door that you saw in the trailer. Mm-hmm. It's very psy- psychological. I love it, but if you're looking for a creature that comes at night, you will not find it. But you always have antiviral, which is the opposite <laughs> of this movie. That's right, but it comes at night, definitely. <laughs> I get what you're saying. That's a, a good uh, a good aspect to include, the aftermath. Yes. And the paranoia yeah. that sets in with this family. Who's Who's infected? Who's not? Are you sick? Are you going to infect me? And then what this man, specifically Joel Edgerton, is willing to do to protect his family. And you know what? If you do like this movie, there's a there's a really great uh, film called The Survivalist. I know you like Mia Goff. I mean, you're here. And uh, she's in the she's in the survivalist, and it's not it's not a horror film. It's more of an adventure film. It's really really good, and it reminded me a lot of this. Film. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And that is number three from 2017. It comes at night. Um, oh, and up to number two from 2014. This is another one we've we've talked about quite often with good reason. A young woman is followed by an unknown supernatural force after a sexual encounter. It follows. This thing, it's gonna follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. Wherever you are, it's somewhere walking straight for you. All you can do is pass it along to someone else. When I watched this movie the first time, I was just slain by it. It was such a an original idea. It, it was such a good idea. It was so well executed. The performances were so good. And the way it was shot um, felt like more of sort of a coming-of-age indie drama. And, it, and, the, and the characters had that kind of rapport. But also it felt like the best of John Carpenter, mm-hmm. you know, especially the opening oh, sequence. All day, uh, yeah. The opening sequence was so Halloween. It was so beautiful. Um, and I, and I love the idea of it. I love the contagion part of it. I loved the way you have to sort of think ahead and stay one step ahead of it. But more than anything, I loved how the nightmare changed what it looked like every time you saw it. It was fucking terrifying. Yeah. You know, there was that giant man, and then there was a <laughs> woman who had peed herself, and then there was... The guy, the naked man on top of the roof. It's just no matter where you looked. But the other thing that was brilliant about this, the way it was directed, is that... David Robert Mitchell Mitchell. is the director, yeah. We knew what was going on before Maka Monroe, the lead character, knew. And so the camera was us. It was constantly sweeping the periphery. She wasn't doing that yet. 
but we were and the camera was and it was brilliant because there'd be it would go around in circles and then when it came back you're like is that guy closer like am i then you'd be like waiting please turn that way turn that way turn yeah. that oh he is closer it was so incredibly well directed yeah that was great it was also great how he purposefully didn't put a time stamp on the movie. If right. you looked at the technology they were using, like, what is that kind of a shell phone thing? Right. Uh, and what TV are they watching? Very, very um, on purpose. It was uh, it was not narrowing down a time frame, which was cool. Also, it got your attention right away from that oh opening scene. The woman all, you know, broken up on the beach. That was just, jeez. You know, oh, that yeah. was your kind of your jump scare a little bit at the beginning before it settled into the Halloween type opening. Oh, yeah. Very, very effectively told. And just the the creeping dread once you knew that this creature, this force, no matter what form it took, was slow, but it wasn't dumb and it never would stop. Right. It never would stop. It was. Yeah, it was it's such a creepy way to tell it. But but genius. Apparently it came from a dream that he had. Wow. And it wasn't so much. A lot of people took it as a comment on STDs and things like that, but I think it was much more than that. It was, although it, it definitely is at the STD of horror films. I mean, it absolutely is. But it, it is. I think it's a lot smarter than that, and I think it, it kind of nails a time period, not um, in, in a life. It, it nails sort of that lingering moment between like adolescence and adulthood, and um, and it's just a beautifully made movie and yeah. super scary. And just to clear things up afterwards, because a lot of people had had theories, uh, he came out and said, uh, David Robert Mitchell, the filmmaker, said that neither a condom nor same gender sex would stop the monster. So sure. just just to put that out there, because a lot of people in a movie like this, a lot of people right away, were like, well, this is how you beat it. This yeah. is how. You, well, maybe not so much. Right. Maybe not so much. But also, it's make believe. <laughs> is it? <laughs> <laughs> that is It Follows, uh, number two on our list of Frightful Contagions from 2014. Um, well, we got a few minutes left, so let's do this. Number one from 2002. Boy, this is an all-timer. We've talked about this many times. Four weeks, hmm, do the math, after a mysterious incurable virus spreads throughout the U.K., a handful of survivors try to find sanctuary 28 days later. So who are you? Wake up today and ask for the wake up and I'm, I'm hallucinating. I've got some bad news. They're infected. Infected. Father. Infected with you. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. It's the blood. There's something in the blood. We have to leave now. What? We'll be coming. They always do. You know, the, the zombie-type genre, the zombie-type movies, have been around for so many years. There have been so many of them that you kind of just, oh, the same old, same old. And then once in a while, a movie like this comes around and makes you think, man, yes, you can do it. You can find something else new, and you can tell it in such an effective way. And this was, boy, it felt like a classic almost from day one. Yeah, it was really scary. And, of course, I don't have to tell any of you they're not really zombies. Right. We are all aware that they're not dead and reanimated. Right. They're fully alive. Um, and that's how it made the list. And it is a genius notion. And the thing is, uh, you know, now the first time I saw it and he's out there, hello, hello. I thought nothing of it. First time I saw the trailer. And then after every time after seeing this movie the first time, I just want to go, shh, the priest will hear you. Be quiet. <laughs> um, there are so many moments in this movie that are just full blown, terrifying, terrifying. And, uh, and it's so well-constructed, and it's sad. It is. 
Um, and, and I have threatened many times, many times, to do the saddest horror movie deaths that's going to be a podcast at some point. And I can tell you right now that Frank... When Brendan Gleeson gets that, yeah. spo- that 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 drop of blood from the crow in his eye, oh my God! I just was gutted. I was like, "Not Frank! Oh my God, not <laughs> Frank!" It was so sad. It was so sad. And the way, of course, he's such a great actor. You know, he you, you know you saw it on his face. He knew. Oh yeah, right away. he knew. Uh, yeah, it's it's there's so many great sequences, set pieces, and then at the end, of course, you've got the metaphor of you know we the enemy is us. You know the yeah. real the real horror. The real danger is us, which is this the case in a lot of these movies, but still you can find a new way to tell it. Right. That's, you know, when they did that, I thought to myself, you know, uh, Danny Boyle is, is now at this point paying homage to Romero because mm-hmm. that was always Romero's point in all of his movies, especially his zombie movies. And so I thought it was nice, a nice touch at the time. But then once that happens, I mean, even that, he took, uh, Danny Boyle took to such terrifying heights yeah. about how bad they would be. Um, and then, thank God, Naomi Harris, Selena, Ooh. what a badass Bad she ass. was. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Selena. Want her on my team. Exactly. For sure. And, oh, we're running out of time. So that is number one with good reason. Boy, still, still just so effective. 28 Days Later on our list of Frightful Contagions. So and you know that rumor has it, Killian Murphy is, is up for a sequel. He's willing to do a sequel to this. So, fingers crossed. We're up for it. Yeah. We're up for that. We are. Yeah, so that's number one. So, as always, if we missed anything or something we thought, uh, something you think maybe she was out of whack, out of order, Seth, I'm looking at you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to let us know, as always. We always love to uh, keep the conversation going. You can find us easily on Twitter. We're at Fright Club Pod. Of course, our Facebook group, just for the Fright Clubbers here, is Fright Club Podcast on Facebook. Love to have you if you're not in there already. And um, Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook and Instagram. The main website is madwolf.com. And we'll have this all edited and in all the socials here by Monday or Tuesday, I mm-hmm. think, depending on how ambitious I am over the weekend. <laughs> and uh, so by all means, come down, enjoy the movie, come down. We want to talk about it afterwards and get you on the podcast. What else is happening? What else did I forget? Well, our next, our in-studio podcast, the next one that we do is going to be with director Jeremiah Kipp oh, of, nice. of Slapface. He's going to join us and we're going to talk about brothers, brothers in horror movies. How did we get him on the show? No, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to work him in for a while. We have. Uh, so thanks to him for, for being patient. Oh, and we're going to That's right. be next back Fright here. Club Live. Uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna show the film Swallow, which is not nearly as horrifying as tonight's show. So it's a nice balance, I think. Although it's a great, great movie, and we're gonna talk about super creepy housewives. Yeah, and if you remember, you may remember Swallow actually debuted here in Columbus at Nightmares Film Festival. It did. Uh, so you may have seen it there, or may have seen it since then. But yeah, it's it's not a classic horror. It's very movie. Hitchcocky. It is very Hitchcocky, yeah, but still, I think it qualifies for yep. sure. Housewives and Horse, so that'll be good. That'll be the next Fright Club Live, June 9th. So, a lot going on. Keep in touch. Come down. We'll talk afterwards. And uh, until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay